You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Matt Maruka, who is the founder and CEO of Raw Optics. Raw Optics is a blue blocker glasses company. They make two different styles, one for the day, one for the night. And uh, also they do custom blue blocking to uh, prescription glasses too. But this episode goes a lot further than just blue blocking glasses. Matt Maruka is a pretty phenomenal dude. He's 19 and uh, he joined me on Skype for a conversation. He recorded this thing outside with the sun beaming down on him. Uh, And you'll learn in the very beginning of this episode that he uh, lived through the wildfires and was uh, basically evacuated from his place. Um, So we talk a little bit about that, reference that in the very beginning. But above and beyond... Uh, specifically blue blocking glasses, we get into what he's calling the light diet, which refers to how to consume light, stare at the sunrise, stare at the sunset, and gives us some other fine points of how to optimize light for your body. Uh, We get into why diet and exercise is not enough, uh, how sunlight specifically affects your health, uh, the detriments around flying, which goes above and beyond just like time zone changing and um, Wi-Fi exposure, but stuff even as much as being, you know, exposed to, um, a being above in a thinner atmosphere for an extended period of time. We talk about, ex- uh, hacking circadian rhythms, which is pretty cool. And also this topic of deuterium, I would really, I'm really going to dive into this thing. It's such a fascinating concept. This, uh, this, amino acid, I believe it's called, I think it's amino acid, deuterium, that we eat foods high in deuterium and it affects us really negatively. Uh, And this may be, this is like cutting edge, cutting edge biohacking stuff that is pretty fascinating. I'm going to follow up some other episodes to dive a little bit deeper into deuterium, but he's got a pretty good grasp of it and he explains it really well. He also makes reference to a couple of other uh, researchers and scientists like uh, Dr. Barros, Dr. Wunsch, and Dr. Cruz um, that give sort of a background as to his, um, his exposure to uh, light therapy and ketogenic eating and all that good stuff. You're going to love this episode. It's really great. He's a very cool guy, and uh, we really had a, f- a fun conversation that's, that's packed full of information. Um, so you may want to grab a notebook and take some notes during this one. Uh, don't take notes if you're on the treadmill. That'd be silly. And then, as always... I'd love your feedback. I want to hear more from you. I want to get some emails. I want to hear what you think about these episodes. Am I on track? Do you dig it? Do you hate it? Do you think I'm super dumb? (laughs) Hopefully you don't. Um, And as always, uh, as I'm trying to do, and I've mentioned this the last couple of episodes, uh, I'm trying to grow my personal tribe and also grow the tribe of the OPP. So if you are interested in getting free inspiration in the morning via text, send me your phone number. I won't call you. No problem. No, I won't. I won't bug you. I'll just send you a daily text message in the morning with something inspiring that has to do with um, hacking the mind, hacking the brain, hacking the spirit. Uh, I'm a life coach. I'm a professional development coach and a relationship coach. And I help people live 
the best possible lives that they can. The podcasting thing is just part of what I do. And if you want to get text messages from me in the morning, send me your phone number uh, to my email, sean, S-E-A-N, at naturalstacks.com and say, dude, send me those text messages. It's just to start your day in a productive and positive way. Again, no strings attached, but uh, if you want to hear some information from me, send it over. Send me your phone number and I'll start sending you text messages when I'm ready to do that. Uh, Also, if you want to go to chiefsformen.com and buy some awesome soap that the guys from Natural Stacks actually own and operate, um, I've been using the invigorating face wash in the morning and it really does. It smells good. It wakes my face up in a really cool way. And if you use the code OPTIMAL on your first online purchase at Chiefs for Men, you get 25% off. As always, I aim to provide you guys with the best possible content. It is my purpose to purpose to bring you uh, good stuff all the time. And it. I hope to provide you guys with a podcast that's a little bit different than the typical biohacking stuff. Um, I'm going to be doing some personal development stuff also coming up soon where you can um, you can get another perspective because it extends beyond what you eat or not eat, fasting, tracking, hacking. I think that there's a, little, there's, there's a, a great need for some deeper learning and some deeper wisdom. Um, it's esoteric and mystical in nature. So keep a heads up for that and um, keep listening. And also five-star review on iTunes or Overcast or Stitcher or wherever you listen to this podcast. Comments always are appreciated. And one more thing before we jump into the podcast is a sick, a sick special offer. If you use code OPP at rawoptics.io, you'll get 10% off a pair of real dope blue blocking sunglasses. They're pretty cool. You should check them out. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Without further ado, Matt Maruka. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm Matt. I'm 19. I started this company uh, a year ago out of a high school. Um, the company is like dope, but the the what I'm teaching people about, which I call the light diet, which I'm kind of working on a book about, um, is even cooler. So I'll talk about both because the, the second one is more relevant to performance <laughs> and recovery. Um, the glasses are just one factor that helps out of like six things that are all really important that I'm, I'm pursue, but, um, yeah. So, well, we're, cool. we're rolling, dude. I pressed record a little bit ago, so let's just jump right okay. into it. Thank you. Um, so, I, well, let me, let me start with this question. Cause I just saw you eat an orange and you know, I've seen the pictures with, with Luke's story. Wildfire, man. The tree was half burnt. Oh, I'm serious, dude. There's like, cause the ranch where I, I've been saying, it like has a whole shit ton of grapefruit trees, persimmon trees, orange trees, dude. And I didn't know oranges were a winter fruit until like last year. I was in Mallorca, Spain, and this woman was like, "Yeah, actually, oranges are a winter fruit." And apparently, people who eat them in summer, like they did a study a while ago, had like higher rates of some issue. I don't know. I I don't know where the study is, or someone could look it up. But oranges are actually like they ripen in December, um, approximately speaking. So I, I'm cool with eating fruit in season. 
And so I, I, cause I'm otherwise eating like a ketogenic diet, but I, I had these oranges, like how am I not going to eat these fresh oranges that survived the wildfire? Like, right. dude, when I went back to that place, I had to go through like three different cops for them to let me in because like, it's still blocked off this one area, uh, in the Hills, the mo- uh, it's the Santa Monica mountains, just North of Malibu is where I've been staying. It's like 2000 feet above sea level, but like 15 minutes from the beach and Dude, it was like so burnt. It's unbelievable. Like if you go to my uh, – anyone goes to my website, mattmaruka.com, M-A-T-T-M-A-R-U-C-A.com. It's like my Instagram feed is on the homepage. So like you can see all the photos and it is it is unreal. Like dude, these hills that used to be covered in like green brush are like black and brown and clean. It's crazy. But I was just – it was so silent. All the neighbor's houses burned down and my little place survived. And I was just picking oranges off of a tree with like a little orange picker. It was like the most serene experience ever. Um, But the point is like there are some grapefruits even that were – the fire was so close to them that half the grapefruits were singed brown. And but they're still totally good to eat and so on. It's pretty funny. Oh, that's cool. Those yeah, are any, those those are those are those are special citrus that you were I able know, to pick, dude, man. Super special citrus. So <laughs> uh, that's that's like a funny story. Really, really funny story. I have like a massive amount of them, and there's still tons more back there. So uh, yeah, but the question about oranges and and yeah. so on. Yeah, the question that I ask, uh, the first question I ask each of my guests is, what have you put in your body today? You said, you know, I know you, I know you to be an experimenter and a biohacker, and I'm gonna ask you about that term too. You know, posing. Totally. Posing with Luke's story and Wim Hof, but um, what's in your yeah, body today, Matt? <laughs> uh, what have I put in my body today? Yeah. So I would tell you differently than most. I put in full spectrum sunlight from the moment the sun rose through my eyes and skin. And um, I put in oxygen from the air. And then I just put in some hydrogen in the form of uh well, starting with sun, like a breakfast right after the sun rose because that's like it stimulates the gastric reflex. So I am a fan of fasting from what I've learned. But uh, I'm going to mention Dr. Jack Cruz a lot because he's like one of my bigger mentors. Um, and then the researchers he's led me to also likewise are very, very influential guys who I'll mention. But uh, I he, he turned me on to the importance of breakfast in like stimulating our circadian rhythm. And there's a lot of studies about the importance of it. So I think this intermittent fasting thing is dope because it's totally like I think a natural thing, although there's some people who claim that it's actually not healthy. I would disagree based on what I've felt and know. But um, I would recommend people intermittent fast in the evening. So like eat a breakfast and then maybe a lunch or late lunch or something, but fast from like 2 until 4 a.m., 6 a.m. So that's uh, 16 hours. Um, yeah, two to two, two, two plus six more hour, or that's 12. Yeah. It's two to 6 AM P uh, 2 PM to 6 AM or like 4 PM to 8 AM, I guess. But I would say like time it so that your 16 hours goes right up to when the sun rises and eat your next breakfast at sunrise. And that way, like we're not eating late in the evening because there's a lot of evidence that that disrupts sleep. Like anyone who has an aura ring now, which is like all the rage, can tell you that if they eat late, their sleep score goes down. So like that, and that was like definitive proof for me after like all the studies that I had read when I have the CEO of Aura and I interviewed him for a podcast and he's telling me like they know that if they eat, especially carbohydrates, but really anything, their sleep gets worse according to the score, which like, you know, measures all kinds of variables. So anyway, intermittent fasting, cool skipping breakfast, not as cool, 
but not the worst thing ever. But eating late in the evening, not cool. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. I, I, that's that's the first time I've heard that, and I know that your focus, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the work that you do is centered around sleep and recovery, and 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 if light is affecting your sleep, if if food is affecting your sleep, specifically carbohydrates, that's interesting because it's, I've never, I've not heard that. And I've been doing intermittent fasting and eating keto, you know, I'm sort of 80, 20 keto and I've been that way for, you know, three or four years. Um, and it's been super effective for me. Um, but we'll get into sleep for sure. Cause I, there's, there's, there's lots of want to, there's lots I want to talk about. Well, tell me, um, you know, you're a fascinating guy. I mean, I, and I, and I'm sure you're sick of hearing that, but, um, you know, <laughs> you know, like started a company in high school and you know, your, your, your style and the way that you, that you move through this world, um, is unique and inspiring. And I, and I'd love to know, of, I'd love for you to share sort of the origin story for for how it was that you came to launch a blue blocking sunglass company yeah uh i was just on another podcast yesterday i find that every time i tell this story it just changes a little and i'm always trying to make it a little better but uh i'll say that i'll try to put it in the simplest form possible and then maybe elaborate where you think it's it's best to elaborate but basically i was growing up and i was sick and i didn't feel well and i had various issues um the issues I won't even name at this moment, but then I tried a lot of things to try to get better, and the main thing was diet after all of the standard protocols that are out there, like Western medicine, then alternative, like uh, naturopathic medicine, and uh, that kind of thing, and even paleo functional doctors with all the herbal testing and gut bacteria rebuilding and very strict diets, and I tried the paleo from paleo keto to autoimmune protocol paleo to higher carb paleo to the gaps diet which is like strictly bone broth paleo uh for like for autism like kids with autism and stuff which i didn't have thankfully but um but i was trying to heal my gut because i had thought that that was maybe the cause of the issue when i started to dig really deep into my research freshman year of high school after these things didn't work and none of these things like solved my issues. Like the paleo diet made me feel significantly better for the first time in my life. So I was like, ha ha, light bulb. This is pretty cool. This might actually work. Um, but then it didn't work all the way. And I was really, really depressed and lost. So I went even like lower than I had been before. Cause like I went from just ignorance and not being able to do anything, but like not knowing that I could to like knowing and believing that I could do something, but not knowing what to do or how which was really, really challenging and uh, depressing and everything. But uh, I learned about this guy, Dr. Jack Cruz, who I mentioned, who elucidated me or uh, opened my eyes, I should say, to the possibility of something further than just diet and exercise for health. And from there, I went on a foreign exchange program in Eastern Europe for a year and applied all of these protocols that I had learned from him. But not just that. I'm, I'm proud that I got to see a foreign culture through the eyes of someone with this perspective, which is a really uncommon perspective. So I got to see this culture that was like Dr. Cruz tells people you should ideally, if you have health problems and you can't solve them in your current environment, because he believes it's related to sunlight a lot of the time, like not just a lot of time, most of the time. So if you can't improve your condition because you live in Seattle or somewhere with no sunlight, 
again, this will explain more of how this works. He recommends you might need to actually move. And that's hard for people to like fathom because like everyone wants the easier answer, but like biophysically, when you start to understand it, like people might, you might actually not have enough sunlight to heal yourself because you're so deficient for so many years. But some people don't want to hear that, but it's fine. But so I actually did move to an environment, didn't have much more sunlight, but it had way less of this EMF stuff that you and I were chatting about a little earlier on, like all this uh, wireless radiation. For people who think this is a bunch of conspiracy theory stuff, it's okay because we both like uh, conspiracy theories here. But it's not. There's lots of uh, studies and books. I can mention that a little later on. That's probably a really important subject to actually knock on. So I'll uh, jot a note down. But uh, essentially, I applied these things in that better environment, which was like back in time, 20, 30 years, because Bosnia and Herzegovina is a, a part of the former Yugoslav Republic. The only people who are listening to this who have probably ever gone to Bosnia are former uh, military guys, for sure. And I bet there'll be at least one guy who listens to this who's ex-military who was in Bosnia in the 90s, like fighting the Serbs and all this stuff. And I lived with a bunch of Serbs, the people who were seen as the bad guys. That's besides the point. It was a really cool historical experience. But the key thing is that they're back in time as far as the way they live, the way they eat. They walk outside a lot more. I mean, they still have cell phones and Wi-Fi and all this stuff. They're still like a European country, Western European country, um, you know, more so than like a Middle Eastern type of country. But it's just the way they do things is a little further back. Like they don't have factory farms. All the milk is like and, and meat is from a local people in the country or in the Balkan region. So basically that was like a pretty huge change and I got a lot better. Um, then I came back home to my senior year of high school and started feeling a lot worse again and like couldn't figure out why until I started realizing this. Um, I met this guy, Dr. Cruz in person that year. So after two years of applying the work and then he told me the most counterintuitive thing I, I could ever imagine, which was focus on yourself and not on saving everybody else, which is what I was all obsessed with, which was holding me back from actually getting better myself. And, and I started doing that senior year and focused on how I could make some money with this stuff because I knew I needed to make a living. The question is basically, do I like, if I was a wild animal, like I would go out and get my own food, my own water and build my own shelter. But today, unless you want to go on like federal, like property off the grid, like the guy in into the wild did, and survive and he didn't do too well obviously but um i mean doesn't mean you couldn't but um you know you pretty much got to play into the economic system somehow so you can get currency to buy your food water and shelter and so i was like okay how can i get people to give me their money and provide them value you know um and eventually the company kind of just emerged i mean it didn't just emerge i thought for a long time about several options tested them tested the waters um yeah, and I was landscaping the summer after my senior year, planning on taking a gap year to travel, making some money. But then this kind of just started up when Luke Story, who we mentioned, uh, asked me how he could get some of these red tinted lenses like the ones I had that Dr. Cruz was talking about on his podcast. And then I actually just tinted the lenses for him because I knew how to do it. And then from there, I realized, oh, wow, actually, probably a lot of other people would want this. So I was the first person, proudly, I could say, to offer the the top level technology, the, the 550 nanometer light blocking tints in stylish, attractive frames as a service, as a business. Because otherwise people had to go to their opticians, pay like sometimes upwards of 300, 400, 500 bucks to get it done custom. 
And now there's several other companies following. Um, like Swanee's was there before. Swanee's blue blockers you may have heard of. They Their lenses only block up to 480 nanometers, which isn't even all of the blue range and doesn't really touch the green range of light, which also affects our melatonin. You'll see articles coming about out about that more and more that it isn't just blue blockers, but green light you also want to block. So I call them artificial light glasses just to distinguish from sunglasses. They're actually designed for artificial light. And within that, some people call them computer glasses for day, sleep glasses for night. But yeah, that's pretty much the, uh, the story. <laughs> so Awesome. It, all of the good stories <clears throat> with people who decided to uh, make a difference and be of service to others started in the same way. You know, like I've, I was going through a thing and I, it was, it was pissing me off. I wanted to try to figure this thing out. I tried a different, a bunch of different things. Uh, I made some headway. I opened my eyes to this new way of being. That's a little bit counter to what everybody thinks is, is, is normal or okay. I tinkered around. I found, I found something, it caught fire. People dug it. And here I am, and I'm just sort of riding this flow state of helping myself first and then helping other people and making um, making a life out of it. I think, uh, you know, I can think of countless other doctors and authors and entrepreneurs that I've talked to on this podcast that have, you know, sort of that same, that same end of one experience where um, they found a way to, to, create value for people based on a need that they experienced and bada bingo, here we are doing a podcast and you're sitting in the sunshine with your shirt off. Yeah, exactamente. Um, <laughs> so the f- interesting thing is that I would even tell you honestly, like truly honestly, that right now my main concern isn't to help other people. That's like not the bottom of the list, but it's lower on the list than a lot of other things. And that might sound like counterintuitive because like we're in this society where it seems like the the number one goal that's touted today. And I'll I'll make I'll explain where I'm coming from. I still the good the intention is still very good, but um, it's like the in society people put out the main. I think most people, not everyone, puts out this idea that the best thing we can do is to help others. And from my experience, the best thing that ever happened to me that led me to be able to actually help others more was actually helping myself. So my, if, if I only did one thing with my life, it would be to shift this paradigm that everyone has today about helping others and make it about helping ourselves. Like that to me is even more important than the health material. And the reason why is because it wasn't until I met Dr. Cruz and he told me that, and I went from being obsessed with how everyone else was getting, you know, harmed by the food companies and harmed by the the cell industry that's microwaving everyone with cell towers. I mean, we're doing it to ourselves, but they are kind of not making it known the effects, even though they know them. Like I just was meeting with a guy in Mexico who's a telecom executive who runs the second biggest uh, fiber optic cable company in New York City, second or third approximately, just behind Verizon. Um, He he runs fiber into the ground, but he doesn't use – he's another one of Dr. Jack Cruz's uh, members and so on. Uh, who pays for that content, but he doesn't use the wireless stuff. He doesn't do that side of the business because he knows it's bad. So he has the solution ready when people realize, if they realize that, uh, if it comes out, I should say that this stuff is uh, really bad. He has a solution already lined up, like everything being hardwired, um, and even technologies that could that could really like make it work. Anyway, point is, he even said that he goes, he's gone to meetings with like. CEO of AT&T, Verizon, and they don't use their phone to their head. They hold it in their hand and use a headset because they know 
He said they know very well the research, and they're all just saying, like, what the fuck do we do? But if the one CEO doesn't perform, he's going to get knocked off and replaced. And if the companies don't perform, everyone's going to lose their job and be broke and screwed. So, like, the, the fact is that if people would wake up and help themselves first, then we would be on the path to a solution. But right now, everyone's concerned about how to change everything else except actually fixing themselves. That's like, so yeah, like, point is helping yourself is the best way to help others. That's my view. Helping others alone is, is weak. That's beautiful. Yeah, well said. I mean, uh, be be the change you wish to see in the world. You know the Gandhi quote, and it's it almost you know it almost it also sounds a lot like uh, uh, Ram Dass. Uh, yeah. Right. Like funny story. Yeah. Do the do the do the work. I do the work on me so that I can be better for you. And exactly. and that and it's such a. I mean, and for myself, that rang true. I heard that at just the right time in my life, as. Uh, a business owner, as a father, as a podcaster, father. as a cool. yeah coach. You know, I do um, um, a performance coach and life coach and relationship coach for for high performing people. And I, I, if I'm not, if I can't bring it, if I can't take care of myself and be present and be sharp, I'm not worth a damn to you. <laughs> like, there you go, dude. I, right. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say like before, I mean, it's, there's definitely, I'm, I imagine there are people, actually, I don't know. Are there ever, was there, was there ever, ever anyone who really helped and changed a lot of things in a positive way that didn't have their stuff figured out to some extent first? I can't think, I can't think of one, but you know, like Martin Luther King, like he had his mind straight and he knew he had his, his will and his desires and his everything kind of straightened out. Like he was willing to suffer and endure pain for his, you know, mission and, you know, Gandhi and all Mother Teresa. It's like these people had things straight them, in themselves first. All of their, you know, karma was aligned or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I don't know if that's the right use of the word karma, but the, me- the message is still there. Um, and then they brought it on. And then, again, as it goes with the Ram Dass and the Gandhi quote, um, even Jesus or in the Bible, yeah, Jesus said, love thy neighbor like thyself. So it just heard someone mention that one time and their, their idea, their point was like, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor? Well, you know, like it, I mean, that's a, maybe another interpretation of that line, but yeah. you know, like how can you love your neighbor more than you love yourself if you don't even have any love for yourself? So yeah. if you have no frame of reference to to have you know to cultivate self love, like then it's then it's inauthentic. If you're loving other people without loving yourself, then then it's a show. You know, it's not it's not embodied. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and I actually uh, met someone the other day, or remet this girl I had met in Los Angeles just at like some health event, like a Luke story was speaking at or something at Bulletproof Labs, just like a kind of friend and uh, just ran into her at like this grocery store. And this girl just kind of struck me as like pretty, I don't know if she'll ever listen to this, but she wouldn't, she would not deny this. She's pretty depressed all over the place, trying to figure things out. Nothing wrong with that. Cause that's part of the path. But uh, the, the thing that struck me is like when I asked her, you know what she's trying to do, what she wants to do, does she have any you know plans or whatever? Um, and she just kind of was talking in a lot of uh, generalities, very vaguely about like how she can improve the community and how she can help others. And blah. I'm like looking at this girl. I'm like, girl, you need to help yourself. Like you ain't helping no one. 
with where you're at right now. Like if, if, if you're helping someone, I don't think it's going to be a positive version of help because what, like you have nothing to give. Yeah. That's kind of what I think of when most people talk about helping others. But I mean, doesn't mean like you can't, you know, you could go volunteer for people who are like underprivileged and that's great. But I just believe that the better we make ourselves, the way better everything overall is going to be. Totally, totally agree. And in my, in, in my world, you know, um, uh, you know, sort of new thought, new age. Cause like, you know, I, I, um, in my meditation practice and owning float centers and, you know, (laughs) traveling to do ceremonies and, and, you know, being in that, in that deep community of, of, you know, spiritual transformation. Um, there's a lot of folks who think that that's what they're supposed to say. And that is what they want to do. They do want to help their community. They do want to make a difference and it's, and they're detached from it. You know, it's sort of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks and this is not a judgment. It's just, it is what it is. But if they're, they're so concerned outside of, they they want to help in such a way, but they're putting the cart before the horse and their heart is in the right spot, but their vision and execution is poor and they are unorganized and, um, they feel deeply, and a lot of those folks, a lot of these folks, and I would, you know, I would assume that you, you too, and myself, um, have some empathic abilities, and it's part of what makes us who we are. And these sort of empaths that feel really deeply, these sort of intuitive practitioners, these people who are highly, highly sensitive, they want to help people first. They want to, they want to reach out and make a difference in their community, but they're they're so concerned with with making a difference that that their life lacks certain execution and and organization and there's no easy answer to it because it comes with time and it comes with practice and it comes with having a morning routine waking up getting some vitamin d getting some sunlight you know focusing on your breath having making sure that your that your the way that you live every day is actually conducive to you growing over time so that you can eventually help people and that's you know, that's why everybody should, should focus on, on bettering themselves first. Oh man. Well, we're in, we're, we're, we're we're on the same page on a lot of this stuff. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I, there was one other thing that uh, came up. Well, two things when I was talking just through my story that I should elaborate on. One is on the uh, health effects of EMF, but that's kind of maybe a little later on. Another is, uh, about, why, like I mentioned, why diet and exercise aren't enough and the actual protocols that I actually did um, that got me better beyond diet and exercise related to why someone might actually need more sunlight if they're sick. But uh, I could get into that whenever it's right. But so what what are the questions you kind of have in mind? Yeah. What do you want to ask? Many, many, many. Um, <clears throat> I, I know that, that, a, that an important part of of the focus of what, you know, the, the, if, if blue blocking glasses are a mechanism or a tool, uh, a means to an end, it's really about protecting mitochondria, right? Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Optimizing mitochondria. Optimizing mitochondria. That's part of this trash truck for one moment. Yep. Now it's gone. 
And the connection, you know, the connection between melatonin and mitochondria is important, as as pointed out, you know, in in your guys' in your literature. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through? So our my our listenership is uh they're going to know this stuff. They're going to know the important, they know what mitochondria are. They know the importance of melatonin. But, really? Oh, That's for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're very sharp people. Um, but it would be nice to know your take on it, um, on optimizing mitochondria and how it ties to melatonin and working backwards, how, how light, and our circadian rhythms um, can either help us or hose us. Yeah, you know what's really the most interesting thing I learned recently or, or put together recently is that all like a, a lot of molecules are influenced by the sunlight, by sun. Um, and, and people who are interested can look up. And again, I'll be putting all of this into a book uh, shortly. And so people will have a one-stop shop for it. But um, – We'll have my, I guess, website in the show notes so people could look that up. But there's a guy named Dr. Alexander Wunsch, W-N-S-C-H, who is – it means wish in German. And he's a big sunlight researcher. And he basically – or you know, photobiology, so the way sun impacts life. And basically he talks in some of his uh, videos. The one that um, people can go on and look up on YouTube is called why the sun is necessary for optimal health. It's pretty cool. And then there's another on Vimeo called photo endocrinology, which basically is like endocrinology, the study of our, you know, what our endocrine system does with like hormones and so on, like the thyroid basically. Um, but photo endocrinology, the way it's impacted by light and driven by light. And basically, um, the why the sun is necessary for optimal health is more basic in general, but if you want to understand some shit, I would watch photoendocrinology. You'll go nuts. And then all the ones on his Vimeo page are insane, like the changes in lights and how it's related to the uh, increase in disease and so on. Um, his slides are so good that Dr. Jack Cruz actually takes his slides and uses them in his PowerPoint talks because they're really that good. Um, and I'm going to take some for a talk I'm giving in Los Angeles this weekend with Dr. Cruz and Luke Story. Um, and some other folks, but, uh, basically, um, he shows how sun causes things like serotonin and melatonin to be created from precursor amino acids, like through our eyes and the light that's captured, um, in that way. And same thing, not just with these hormones, but, uh, there's a chart actually, a really, really cool picture chart that I'll even try to pull up so I can list off some of the names, but the biggest ones to note are how basically melatonin is converted from serotonin and serotonin comes from tryptophan. Um, dopamine is created from something called tyrosine and all of these molecules, tryptophan, tyrosine, and so on are initially, uh, convert well they're energized so that they can convert by uv light from the sun which is pretty cool so i'm gonna see this because i want to actually share all of these if possible so yeah um other things like um for example beta endorphin that's another one that is created under the influence of the sun that's like our internal opioid so the sun like we're literally rewarded with like basically heroin inside of our body not exactly but similar to to be in the sun, which makes you wonder if it's so bad for us, why is there like an opioid response for being in the sun? Um, 
the, there's other molecules like uh, testosterone and a lot of these kinds of things are really important. But the point is that basically the sun, from what I learned, is like the powerhouse, the kind of the push, the energy that comes from nature. And these molecules, given their structures, actually capture sunlight. And they're like sunlight's little messengers that go to the different spots in our body to impact different things. So like you get a ton of sun and then melatonin stores that energy and then actually goes and releases it and uses it in the repair processes of the mitochondria. So um, it's it's pretty interesting how just – I mean that – and that's not necessarily – I wouldn't say that, that that's the most scientifically accurate description of how it works. But it's a pretty kind of – if you understand the work of Dr. Wunsch and Dr. Cruz, it's actually pretty spot on. It's pretty close. So – um, yeah. And like, I'm not a PhD researcher, so that's, that's not who you're listening to guys. If, if you're looking for that, go listen to Dr. Cruz or Dr. Wunsch, but I'm making it so that you can understand it a little better, basically. So that's, yeah, that's how the sun affects the, the body and these hormones basically through our eye and through our skin, which is why people should not wear uh, sunglasses or contacts. And at the end of this or towards the end, you know, I can run people through the few key steps that they need to be doing to get the, uh, the benefits of these things. But uh, yeah, you don't want to be wearing sunglasses or contacts, and most importantly, you want to be getting the morning, the sunrise. Like, uh, you have to go somewhere with a little bit of a horizon, like space, whether it's the ocean, a lake, a river, or just a field, um, a bay, a marina, or just somewhere where there's a bunch of space between you and where the sun's rising. So you could get that initial color change from like orangish, reddish to more yellow um, as it rises, and that'll like turn on the brain and the hormones, and then and ideally. People will be – you want to spend as much of your time outdoors as possible, just like your working time and everything. And then uh, the, if you can't though, you do really want to get out in the middle of the day to get some vitamin D production because you can't get your vitamin D early in the morning because the UV is blocked by the atmosphere that the sun has to pass through when it's coming on this angle. But huh. as the earth spins and the sun's more direct overhead, then the sun has to go through less atmosphere. So – that's why UV – well, for, for example, right now in Seattle, since like October, you aren't able to make vitamin D anyway because there's not any UVB coming in. But um, in San Diego where I am right now, it's just at the edge of um, the edge of the line where there's still some UVB in the middle of the winter but not very much and only in the peak of the day. But then if you go down just 10 degrees below like San Diego or 13 degrees down to Cancun, which is where I just was for a month and I'm going to be going back there really soon – then you get tons of, of vitamin D. So anyhow, um, as it relates to sleep and recovery, there's a whole another conversation there. But basically, when our mitochondria are repaired and everything's repaired under melatonin's impact, you'll sleep like a baby, you'll feel really great, and you'll recover and perform well. It's that simple. Are you are you a uh, are you a twenty something snowbird? Like are you? <laughs> it sounds like it yeah. sounds. You are, aren't you? 19 year old snowbird that is correct <laughs> i mean like uh you mentioned it really early but like if you're if, if, if the environment and the the you know the latitude the longitude isn't serving you you need to move uh do you do you shape your life and travel around you know getting optimal optimal sun exposure you bet, you bet i do dude um it's funny like i Think about now, there's so many articles coming about, like one recently about American Airlines pilots. People can look this up, that they're getting all kinds of weird sicknesses and diseases and infectious diseases too 
that people just can't explain. And a guy like Dr. Cruz actually, and I could explain it more or less as well, like when you're in the air off the Earth's magnetic field, you're being exposed to a shit ton of solar radiation, which is A, not good. Because when you're under, like the sun at 36,000 feet is not the same as the sun on the surface of the crust because there's a lot less atmosphere up there. So, um, yeah, we're, humans have never evolved that high. I mean, like even the Sherpas who live in the Himalayas, the highest they go is like 15, 16,000 feet for, I think, for regular living. And they only go up in summit because the rich, you know, white people from the West pay them to do it. But they know it's not like somewhere to stay long term. Maybe it's, yeah, like 15,000 feet. I'm pretty sure that's the highest that's regularly inhabited. And even then, their mitochondria have adjusted thoroughly. Their skin's very dark, um, if I'm not mistaken. So they can, uh, they, they're blocking more solar radiation. Um, they also uh, have mitochondria that have adapted to, to utilize and function well with lower oxygen levels. Um, but uh, So that's one issue at, at high levels. But the bigger one is that you're inside of a, like a metal tin can full of Wi-Fi now. And like, you know, there's a big antenna somewhere on the plane that's blasting down to the surf or probably more likely up to a satellite to get you your, your Wi-Fi in flight and connect you to your friend on your phone call. So, um, you know, this is how it is. I'm not going to say it's, it's wrong or bad, but, but if, cause wrong and bad are subjective, but if one believes that mitochondrial disease, which is affected significantly by these wireless radio frequencies and microwave frequencies that are used for communication now is bad Then being in an airplane at 36,000 feet in a tin can with everyone else using their Bluetooth Bose headsets and everything is very, very bad. So this is like, just to answer your question, I'm thinking about going to Bali for all of February to visit a friend, right? And that's dope. But like, I'm, I'm considering not doing it because, and this might sound wild to some people, but because of the, the, the risk of being on a plane that long, like I do it in a year because I've already been flying a lot recently and I'm, I'm hopping from LA, you know, I just came from Cancun to like, you know, how to lay over in Mexico city. Now I'm going to go back to Philly for Christmas where my family lives. That's where I'm from. Um, even though people say I look like I'm from California, you know, that's why I'm here now, but sort of, but, um, then I'm going to go down to Cancun again for a month. So I'm moving a lot. And I'm just thinking like, I don't know if I want the risk of a, well, the effects, the physical effects of a six hour flight to LA, a 15 hour flight to China and another six hour flight to Bali. Yeah. So you have to stay minimum one month for it to be worth it. Well, let me let me let me let's play let me I'll play devil's advocate because you know spe especially for for someone like yourself who's who's young and energetic um and I you know at 35 I think of myself the same way because I take care of myself and I take care of my mind and my body and my spirit and there's a lot of love in my life but for it's hard for lots of people to Think in that way because you're right. The wi the, the Wi-Fi that we're exposed to, um, the electromagnetic frequencies that we're exposed to, most people most people aren't particularly sensitive to it and don't know don't understand uh, or or maybe not are, are not as affected. Uh, I had the sleep doctor on, for example, um, a, a number of episodes ago and was talking about. Uh, Wi-Fi and EMF during sleep, and I was like, you know, I, I unplug my I unplug my cable from the wall every night, and I've got shungite uh, pyramids. Shungite is a Russian crystal that uh, that dissipates e uh, EMF. I'll, if if you haven't heard of that one yet, I'm gonna send yeah, you some. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you it's probably not effective. But... All right, all right, fair <laughs> enough. 
but so, you can test it if you get a meter. You can see if it's doing shit. And I've I've tested some of those things, and usually they're not. But right, all right. <laughs> so I'll tell you which meter you need to get, and it's only two hundred bucks. So, well, I need one for my uh, for my infrared sauna that I use at night. The meter's called the the uh, I'll say it now Cornet C O R N E T E D eight eight T, and it measures radio frequencies, magnetic fields, and electric fields. And even this this huge CEO tech guy I was mentioning to you, he loves it, even though it's only two hundred bucks because it's portable. It's like this big, and it measures all these different fields. And it even has a sound function for your radio frequency so you can like hear it. So I was like driving through the hills huh. to the wildfire and I it was dead silent because all the power was gone and everything which was dope. I was so stoked about that even though it's usually low anyway, but every few seconds I heard a which means there's some kind of radar thing spinning around blasting me every few well every like 30 seconds or huh. a satellite beam um and then I started hearing really loud noise. I was like that's interesting and I look uh-huh, temporary cell antenna that they just put up. So I had to call my mom because I didn't have service because I thought she might think I totally went off the grid because I called her before I got to the police barrier. And then they let me through and I lost my service. So I was like, shit, my mom's not going to – because she didn't pick up. But anyway, I was like, uh-huh, I could call my mom with the temporary cell antenna. It's just funny. The meter like really it, – it works once you learn how to use it and pick stuff up. Okay, that's cool. That's a good one. But yeah, so, so continuing with this guy, the sleep doctor. So, so, what, so what he said was um, – you know, some people have sensitivities to EMF. Some people are more sensitive than others. He's like, like yeah. I myself, you know, like my, my wife goes to sleep with the TV on. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, bro. You're the sleep doctor and your wife falls asleep to the TV on in your bedroom. That doesn't, that doesn't add up for me. And he goes, it helps her fall asleep. Uh, it's on a timer. So shortly after she falls asleep at her typical time of like 1025 at night, you know, it's off at 1040. And anyway, he made the point that that different people have different sensitivities to it. And I don't know if that's backed by great science or not. But in terms of the way that you choose to live your life and, you know, uh, not going to Bali because you don't want to risk 12 hours in the air, you know, like – that's a hard thing Actually, for it's like 24 hours, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a hard thing for people to rectify because a, they may feel lousy and jet lagged for a day or two, but it's probably going to go just so you know, like, <laughs> I'm most likely going to go. I'm just saying it's, it's a real consideration. Yeah. Um, but like, for example, I'll tell this on air. Like I just flew back from Mexico. I mean, maybe this is just me, but it's not, I'm pretty sure it's not. But so I know that flight travel is, um, is like a circadian disruption, right? right? And I know that even if I do all these protocols that I'm talking about right, um, the fundamental issue is is uh, this travel and circadian mismatch. So I just flew from Cancun, right? And I, uh, I was reading in this book I'm reading recently called The Influence of Ocular Light Perception on Metabolism in Man and Animal. Anyway, it's an interesting book about all this light stuff, but it talks about how when people do airplane travel – um, their, their serum, well, it's, it's all about all kinds of like the, the book itself is about the way light influences our, our metabolism and our body through our eye and, and other animals. And the most interesting findings in the book are, um, the, when people go blind, they have completely altered hormone levels all throughout the body. But if they remove the cataracts, if they can, in certain people who the cataracts that make them blind, the light UV light can pass through again and all their hormone levels renormalize. So it's crazy just because of the influence of light through the eye. It's, it's really fascinating. But, um, they mentioned just as an anecdote, uh, studying people who do like long haul air travel, you know, like six time zone, three, four time zone change. 
And, um, and so the one thing they noted is that people's uh, like blood levels of different excretion, their circadian excretion of hormones, like, you know, in our body, we excrete potassium, sodium, and all these other things in different ratios, whether it's day or night and so on. It's very fascinating. But when flying, these things change. And that, that is intimately linked to our digestive metabol- di- digestion, metabolism, and everything. And after reading that, I was like, hmm, I should really take note of changes that happen. And I realized that every time I fly, I kind of get constipated. That's what I was going to say, huh. which maybe that's not the case for everyone. But the fact that you, you know, here you are, you're saying I'm pretty young and healthy and so on. It took my body a week to readjust to that change. Yeah. Exactly how long the guy in the book found that it took for people's hormonal levels in their blood, or pardon, the excretion of metabolites to change after flight, like about a week, sometimes longer. But so even in a young guy, that's something I'm noticing. And like most people might not notice. Well, they probably would notice that. But I actually probably had that issue. Um, and it, I didn't feel noticeably different, thankfully, because I feel pretty great. But I knew that I wasn't like moving my bowels. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I'm still eating a ton of food. But I, this morning I was totally good after a week. But the point is that um, like that might have happened many times before. But until I read book and noticed and thought about it, I might not have noticed that. But here to your point about me being young and energetic, I totally get where you're coming from. But the thing is, like, I might I might seem really young, healthy and energetic right now. But five years ago, I was the most tired, sick, skinny, pale guy that I knew. Seriously, like my friends all are interested in this stuff, even though most parents I you know that try to convince their teenagers about this stuff that I'm into, because there's lots of people who are into this who ask me like, can you talk to my kids? Like they won't listen to me. Most kids won't listen, but my friends saw how I was before and how I am after. So to them, it wasn't even a question like, damn, obviously this shit works. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm like, I want to look like him. I want to get in the sun. I want to have a tan. I want to like be strong without working out at all. I mean, I work out now a little bit surfing. That's about it. But the point is that, um, I'm looking in the, in the long term. like I was born via in vi- or conceived in vitro, like a test tube baby, you know? And as they would say, so the thing is that that means that the first two to three days of my of my existence, I was under artificial lights as an embryo in the most sensitive, vulnerable form. And maybe that isn't really a big deal. But the oldest in vitro baby is only 40 years old. Most people probably don't know that. Hmm. So I'm half of that person's age already. So they don't. And and that lady, by the way, if you look her up, she looks pretty shitty, pretty old and, and fat and old, like for a 40 year old, she looks really bad. So the point is that it doesn't mean that's because of in vitro. You know, she lives in England. Their diet and sunlight isn't exactly killing it up there. (laughs) Looking fat, you know, overweight Englanders at the age of 40. But the point is that people really don't know how this like artificially putting together a an egg and a sperm cell, especially two that were not selected by nature as the fittest two that were just randomly pulled out of the the mom, the dad, when he ejaculated into a cup, and the mom they took out of her randomly. None right. of it's natural. The point is, like, the effects of this aren't really known. So I'm looking at it not like, oh, I'm young and 19. I used to be. That's how I was about a year ago until talking with Dr. Cruz and realizing maybe I feel great now, but maybe when I turn 30 or 40, things are going to fall apart much more quickly than they are in someone else who yeah. is naturally. And so that's why I think forward now. I'm thinking like, okay, I might, I know I could take a 36, I know I could fly all the way around the world two days in a row and I'd recover and be fine probably. 
But unless I got some really sick infectious disease and then died because my immune system was so trashed. But the point is I'm kind of thinking in a mindset now like I know I can get away with flying like crazy. You know, I went to Europe last summer and the fall before that and flew like 15, 20 times in two months around all these countries. But I'm looking at that now like I can do that and feel okay. But looking back on it, I was actually really irritable. And I was like, I felt okay, but I was irritable. I had these other symptoms. I probably was constipated too, but didn't even notice. And so, yeah, I'm trying to think forward, which I think is a move for people today. It's it's hard for people to do that. It's hard for people to to not only um, value and prioritize their health, whether it's associated with food or light or rest or stress or sex or whatever. But I think that it's – I think it's important to your point – it's important for us to be considering maybe I should travel, you know, 10 less weeks this year because it may be wrecking my gut microbiome. Like maybe I should, uh, maybe I should consider, um, uh, reading a little bit more about a light diet and living in Seattle and, and finding ways to get more, uh, more light in my life because for now I'm good. Like I'm killing it. I'm excited. Everybody's happy and healthy at my house. We're good. It's cool. But at 35, looking five and 10 years down the road, these sorts of considerations, because there's, there's more and more things to think about. There's more and more environmental factors that are screwing with our hormones. You know, like I don't drink tap water. My, my family only drinks spring fed gathered water that I go down to like an artesian spring and we've been doing it for a long time and i i really honestly think that that has i think that has helped me keep an open mind and it's helped keep me grounded uh that's a whole nother that's another podcast but well yeah but no it's that's related that's actually one of the steps of the light diet that i'm going to be writing out is uh drinking good quality spring water um so that's that's awesome that you do that and yeah it's important it's important to me yeah, I think it's really cool. So, you know, like I said, I mean, a lot of people might hear this and be like, oh, that kid's paranoid, blah, blah, blah. But the person who thinks that, they don't, they're not putting together two and two in their head that this kid isn't just like a young 19 year old who was crushing it his whole life and, and doesn't have perspective. Like, I'm a 19 year old who was miserable, depressed, and even slightly suicidal when I was 14, 15 because I felt so bad with headaches, gut issues, constantly like, allergies um and then just even like yeah, headaches was like chronic pain more or less oh, i was just like man. in pain and it was not fun and um well anyhow. For, for for folks like you and i who grew up in in more northern latitudes pittsburgh seattle you know maybe chicago philly yeah yeah um yeah philly yeah, I, yeah. what are some things that people can do um, besides moving to Cancun to help, <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to help so, nourish themselves with light. So, um, it's pretty it's like standard. Typically, I mean, it's all the same things as, as I'm going to get into. I might as well just mention them all, but yeah. basically you want to be do. getting, um, to start, I'll just mention all the steps of, let's say the light diet as I, as I call it and, and teach it. And, um, then from there, these are all the same things, but I'll put in specific things that people in northern latitudes can do. But so basically, the first is going to be waking up in the morning and getting the sunrise, and then being exposed to the sun throughout the day. So if you're at a, a northerly latitude, you're going to basically need to 
um, go outside, even if it's cloudy, and just watch watch as the light goes from basically dark into light. That's really beneficial, just to be out and getting that, even if you're just on your deck. Because if, especially on a cloudy day like that, you don't need to go somewhere specific to watch the sunrise because all the lights equally reflected all around because of the clouds. So you can just go out on your deck or even just open your window, um, and that's a huge benefit. And you want to be outdoors during the day in natural lighting is the other step of that. Question. Please. If I'm looking through my window out my back deck, is that the same as being outside? I mean, I know being outside getting fresh air is one thing, but you said yeah. like go outside or open the window. Is if yeah. I if I'm looking through the window, is that sub suboptimal? Yeah. I know that's actually uh, if the window's open, it's, it's fine. If, looking, yeah, no, that's not good because the all the glass today blocks a lot of infrared and red light. So therefore, you're having an increased ratio of blue. So actually, even just window artificial or window natural light is still a blue light hazard relative to sunlight. Wow. But it's not nearly as bad as uh, an actual artificial light bulb, but it's still not optimal. So another piece of that uh, equation means trying not to turn on your artificial lights during the day uh, in your house. Like Just try not to use any artificial lights. Just use natural light. That's a huge, huge benefit. Um, you, you know, again, you can be near a window. You don't always have to open the window. If it's freezing outside, it's still better than, than, uh, or having the artificial lights on. If it's between artificial lights versus closed window, pick the closed window. But if it's closed window versus open window, pick the open window. And if it's open window versus outside, go outside, but don't make it too hard for yourself. Like sure. just go to the window, even if it has, and, and crack it, crack it a tiny bit and you'll actually let more of the full spectrum through. But don't trick yourself to think that it's as good as having the whole window open or as being outside, letting it hit all over your face. Got um, it. Okay, keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't no, mean to derail you. The whole point is you actually interrupt me as many times as you can um, <laughs> Perfect. to actually do, do this. So, so that's like step one. Step two is drink good quality spring water and eat seafood. Um, you know, I should reverse to step one is like the key thing about being outside all throughout the day is that. Like I said, you get the sunrise, you get that turning on of your body, and you want to watch the sunrise 15 to 30 minutes until you start to feel it warm on your skin, which means UVA has come out. So like that initial light stimulus turns on a lot of hormonal processes, and the UV hitting the skin turns off a lot of those hormonal processes. So basically, this is these are all things everyone should be doing, and they're all really easy. That's the thing. It's not a food diet. That's why I call it the light diet. Um, that's my name for it, I'd say. And that's the title of the kind of upcoming book, basically. It's a great name. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's the, where the book's going to be headed. But, but basically, um, it's a focus. The thing is that this isn't as emotional as food. Like, in other words, where changing food is really hard for people because, like, you want your carbs or you, you're attached to this or that. Or you want to be a vegan or not. The light diet is completely distinct from that. There's only one step related to food, which is now back to the other half of step two, which is um, drink good quality spring water and eat seafood. So I'm, uh, if you wanted to go a little deeper, I would recommend people eat a seasonal diet, which I personally believe eating a fat, meat and fat and seafood-based diet is optimal. And this is something you can go watch Luke Story's podcast on deuterium with a guy named Dr. Laszlo Boros. Deuterium is called it's heavy hydrogen. It's basically, you know, all of our food. Like I said earlier, when I eat an orange or my breakfast this morning, I never told you what my breakfast was. It was about a quarter pound of brisket with a side of sour cream. So it's a ton of meat and fat um, because right now it's winter. Uh, I mean, again, it's, it's still sunny here, thankfully. But um, 
there's not as much sunlight, which is part of how we get rid of this stuff called heavy hydrogen, which is the, the science name is deuterium. And basically food, ocean water, water, anything that has hydrogen in it. And uh, just for people who don't know, when we eat food, this is why I told you I got oxygen from the air and then I ingested hydrogen in various forms. Uh, well, I, I ate the protein of the meat, which I used to build up the body and all the structures, but the fat on the meat isn't used for building structures necessarily. We use it for energy primarily. Um, I mean, some of like our brain and, and cell membranes, actually, we do use saturated fat and cholesterol to build them up, but um, also omega-3, which is another thing I'm just about to jump into. But the key thing of how we make energy is we take oxygen from the air. Or let me step back even further. People know, at least you know this, right? How does a tree make itself? Would you be able to tell me? Uh, photosynthesis? I mean, like, yeah. So Exactly, photosynthesis. So, But really, the, the actual, do you know where the hard, um, the hard material of a tree comes from? Like this little bit of this plant right here? Well, it's growing from, it's growing from the inside out. Yeah. But so basically the, the actual carbon that makes up, because this is just a, a sugar polymer. It's a bunch of carbons, hydrogens, and oxygens wound together in tight chains that make up cellulose. That's what all the plants are, except the, the fruits are more like sugars. But it's all the same, whether it's a plant or the, the trunk of a tree. The trunk is just a bunch of small sugars wound together to make cellulose. But basically um, that's just carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. So the, it's interesting. The carbon comes from thin air, from carbon dioxide in the air. And the hydrogen and the oxygen come from water. So basically the tree drinks water and breathes carbon dioxide from the air and actually builds itself from thin air and water, which is pretty dope, with the help of sunlight to split the water that, so that it can integrate it into a sugar. Now, the cool thing is that animals niche on Earth, which is a supplementary or complementary niche, I should say, to photosynthesis and plants, is that we eat the plant and the sugars contained in the plant, the carbons, hydrogens, and oxygens, and we strip the hydrogen back off, and then we breathe the oxygen that the plant released into the air <laughs> and put the hydrogen and the oxygen back together to make water. So they pull them apart and build these structures. We eat the hydrogen, harvest it off of the fruit or the, or the animal that ate the fruit or the plant, and then we put the hydrogen and the oxygen back together, which releases energy, which allows us to make a living as an organism, which is really cool. Yeah. That's, that's how, how like eukaryotic organisms remain energetically favorable to the universe because you can't exist. Well, at least like structures can't exist without energy. So we have to have some sort of, there has to be some sort of energy source for us to be living. So anyway, the point of this is that some hydrogen that we strip off of plants and animals when we eat their fat is regular hydrogen, most of it is, but some of it's this stuff called deuterium, which is heavy hydrogen, which basically clogs up our mitochondria. And this is why, it's interesting, again, I, I, this, we could do a whole podcast on this because it's so fascinating, but go listen to Luke Story's podcast with Dr. Boros, B-O-R-O-S, on deuterium, spelled D-E-U-T-E-R-I-U-M, you will, people's mind will be blown. For example, I learned that the reason keto, again, like it, this is just fascinating. The reason ketogenic diets are so good isn't just because you're avoiding carbs. And the reason carbs are bad in general, not bad, but can be less than optimal for many people is because not because they're just carbs and because they spike insulin and all this stuff, 
but because they're higher in deuterium, so they're clogging our system up when we've changed our lifestyle, no sunlight, very little cold exposure, uh, less movement. So we're not excreting as much of the deuterium as we should be, and we're being exposed to way more. Same, same thing for why grass-fed meat is better than grain-fed meat. Ethically is one thing, but grain-fed meat, because grains are higher in deuterium, like most carbohydrate foods, um, the grain-fed meat is much more loaded with deuterium as opposed to grass-fed meat. Um, it's, it's, and same thing with like gluten isn't just bad because it's gluten. It's, it's most people, many people are sensitive to it because it's loaded with deuterium, which affects it in such a way that our immune system often will jump on it. If our immune systems don't work properly. Whoa. It's not, Whoa. Yeah. All these things come from this podcast on deuterium. It's, it's super foundational. So it has the ability to explain a lot of things. Um, and the craziest part of it. I actually have a bottle of deuterium depleted water right here, which is unnaturally low in deuterium. But basically, um, they've been using this water and people drink it like cancer patients and their tumors actually shrink and shrink and shrink and disappear because excess deuterium is ultimately what causes cells to become cancerous and, and very Whoa. big because they can't – the deuterium clogs up the metabolic cycles in the mitochondria. Dude, this is so next level. You have no idea. I'm serious. Like I'm into it. I'm the, in. I'm, 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 I'm uh, seriously, oh. like the deuterium, it's like carb, you know, carbon monoxide. It kills you because when you drink, uh, inhale carbon monoxide, it binds to the cycles in our metabolism that basically – so, you know, in these, these cycles, they're supposed to, a molecule binds, unbinds, bind, unbinds, and it's like a, a bicycle wheel spinning, right? Molecules go like this. In biology, we learned that it's a cycle of a molecule, something attaches, takes something away, adds something, bump, 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 and by the end of the process, you have a different molecule. And so the thing is, when deuterium is involved or carbon monoxide, they bind and they stick. So these cycles don't keep moving, huh. basically. So... Carbon monoxide kills you quickly because it sticks 150 times stronger than uh, oxygen, I, if I'm not mistaken, or, or hydrogen. I, I don't exactly know where carbon monoxide causes the problem, but it's the same, it's the same uh, issue. It's called the kinetic isotope effect in physics. just means how heavy it is and how, how hard it binds. But deuterium, this heavy hydrogen, binds about seven times harder than regular hydrogen, which is our main fuel source. Like I said, when you eat fat or carbohydrates – or any, any food, we strip the hydrogens off and react them with oxygen from the air to make water. So we actually make a liter of water in our body per day, and believe it or not, from the air and food we eat. Um, isn't that kind of cool? We actually make our own water. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. But, but uh, yeah, but so it's dope, but deuterium slows this process down. Again, it's totally normal to get a good amount of it, or at least the relatively normal amount of it. But now that we're eating a full deuterium-based diet year-round, um, we're we're getting way too much. So it's fascinating. And so, how does that? So does that tie back to the water and the shellfish? So so municipal water is bad, not only because it has fluoride and all this stuff, but it's loaded. It's higher in deuterium because it's recycled. So we're basically like, yeah. And the cool thing about animals too, and when it goes to the seasonal diet, that's what I was getting at. Uh huh. Is that you, in the summer, it's okay to have fruit that's higher in deuterium, but if you think about fruit and when it's available, I learned this by living on this ranch that I mentioned to you up in Malibu, um, and the fruit trees, like they would uh, create fruit, and then it would be there for maybe one month, and it would all fall off. The animals, like dude, there was a prickly pear cactus 
right like literally 10 feet from my front doorstep and dude all the bees and the squirrels it was like the shit like the place to hang out for like two months the bunny <laughs> rabbits, the squirrels actually not even two months it was like a month and then once they all died dude it was like one day i went away to san diego and i came right back and it was like quiet like huh. every single ounce of fruit on that on that tree was gone huh. and it was fun for a year so that's how fruit is naturally designed to be eaten right are not designed to be eaten at all like if you like i challenge anyone to go to like a field of wild grasses and try to collect enough grain like from the seeds of the wild grasses to make anything and like you're going to be highly disappointed so it's fascinating this guy dr boros the researcher he explains how really and the paleo people are right to some extent the reason why grains coincide with a lot of diseases beginning and decline in human health isn't just because they're grains and they're full of anti-nutrients. The paleo people are very, very misguided on these things. It's because not that they're bad people. They're great. Pe I think mostly good people trying to spread a great message. But um, even if it's missing key things, but it's because grains are super high in deuterium. So we made it easier to get food mm. by cultivating grains and using. Um, instead of using rainwater, which is lower in deuterium, because when water evaporates into clouds, the uh, water that evaporates is less deuterium because deuterium is heavier, so it doesn't evaporate as much. Interesting. Basically, but so rainwater is better to drink and to have our food watered with because it's natural. This is why, if you've heard of, have you heard of dry farmed wine? Yeah, I just had him on the podcast two episodes ago. So this is the, I don't even know if they know this, but the dry farmed, well, not the company dry farms wine, but wine that is dry yeah. farmed right. is using just rainwater right. instead of irrigated water because right. irrigated water is higher in deuterium because it's the water that's left on the ground or in the rivers, but deuterium, the water that evaporates has less. So it's fascinating. It's really across the board explains so many things. But so this is why, I mean, anyone, if, if you understand this, eat fruit, don't eat grains, eat fruit, maybe the small amount of the year that it would be naturally available from that plant. But if you're a human being, you're an obligate carnivore and people don't like to hear that unless you live on the freaking equator and you have fruits coming all year round and you're right. in that strong sun naked. We are not meant to be eating fruit and carbohydrates year round. And if you do, your biologic function is going to be like down here, like way below where you can even see the screen compared yeah. to where it would be. Um, function, funny thing, like Dr. Boros, not that people should do this. And I'm not even sure if this is right. I got to talk with Dr. Cruz more about it this weekend, but, um, Dr. Boros doesn't even drink water. This researcher, cause his mitochondria, he's gotten them to be so good, lower in deuterium. So he can just drink. Well, he said he, he maybe drinks a small cup of coffee made with this deuterium depleted water per day, small cup of coffee, but he actually drinks a little bit of olive oil. He only eats olive oil and bacon more or less. And, and he makes his own water through oxygen and that hydrogen he's getting from the olive oil. I have make, I have, I have heard a lot of people and this is, uh, I think I first heard it from Mark Sisson from, um, uh, from primal. And he was saying we're, we're way overdoing the water. We're and so that's, it's, it's not that shocking that someone else is saying that we can create our own and if you're getting all the other nutrients needed and making your own water. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 So that's, so I'm, I'm actually going to just for the purposes of, well, of time and keeping people interested, I'm not going to tell all of the, all the details of every step, but we've really crushed on one, um, the benefits of basically getting the sun exposure in the morning, uh, two on what to eat. You want to basically be eating, 
uh, seasonal diet, so meat and fat-based, well, seafood instead of meat, I would say. So if you're a pescatarian, great. You don't need to touch meat. Just eat seafood. But fat is going to be – if you're not eating carbs, you still w- are going to need a fat source. And because people aren't eating – when they eat, when we eat fish, we're not eating the whole brains. We're not eating the whole eyes where there's more fat, all the organs. We're not eating the liver and the heart and all that stuff. And I used to be a vegetarian. I'm a recovering vegetarian, I like huh. to say. Yeah. So, and I've I've um, helped many to become <laughs> on the path to recovering. Not that being a vegetarian is always bad, but it it is not optimal for health if you're not in strong sunlight. That's for sure. Yeah. But um, I have trouble with organ meats. So what do I do? Like I told you this morning, I I eat sour cream because I I love uh, you know, the fat and butter. You could eat if you like butter, but for me, sour cream is easier to eat more of to get more fat calories and quench my hunger. Um, but something like that, I find to be great, a great, it's lower in deuterium, um, food source, higher in fat. Um, some people, it might be avocados, but again, that's like a seasonal thing. Olive oil, potentially <clears throat> bacon is a really great fat source. Sausage is awesome. Like I love sausage. So I eat it all the time because it's, it's, it's a form of meat that people are know and like, which is way higher in fat. Like sausage and bacon are, I don't know if they're more fat than meat, but they're pretty yeah. much 50 50 whereas if you eat like a steak it's mostly just protein and not that much fat unless you do what the paleo guys do which is cover it in butter which is awesome yeah um as far as deuterium goes um but then the key thing though is if you're eating seafood because you're pescatarian or something you know you want to eat the skin definitely but like probably having some other form of fat to add like avocado olive oil sour cream or something that's a fatty source to get because you're going to be hungry if you don't have it. If you're just eating protein, that's not optimal either. Yeah. So, and then, but seafood's the key. Um, and I didn't even touch on that, but the reason why, as far as it goes back to the light diet, getting away from the food, cause that's like very emotional for people. Ignore all that stuff about if you only change one thing, drink spring water and add more seafood to whatever kind of diet you're eating and ignore everything we just said. <laughs> if it doesn't make sense to you or if you nice. don't understand it, but if you just add seafood to your diet, the seafood we integrate into our cell membranes and our skin and more particularly around the myelin sheathing of our nerves, which is like what makes up our brain and our nervous system obviously. And so uh, this is why every study done on omega-3 DHA, this, uh, the found in fish primarily and seafood, has shown tremendous cognitive benefits, benefits in childhood uh, brain development, baby brain development, uh, postpartum depression, after a woman has a child because she gives her DHA away to the kid, so she needs to be eating a lot of it. Like humans are an obligate – actually, I shouldn't be saying obligate carnivore. We really are an obligate pescatarian. We're supposed hmm. to eat seafood primarily as our main food source, and that's actually how we evolved from ape to, to man. Uh, if, if one believes in evolution, the most solid evolutionary theory shows that we were in Africa – close to the coast in the East African rift zone, changing climates led to a group of apes that basically ended up becoming a pescatarian that ate primarily shellfish, seafood that also lost all of its hair so that with the fatty acids from that seafood, we could become basically a solar animal that, that the reason we lost our hair was so we could get all this sunlight through our skin. Right. and And so we concentrate this DHA, this molecule, magical molecule in our eyes um, primarily because what it does is it, it's cool when, uh, light hits it, there's this thing called the photoelectric effect that Albert Einstein won a, no, won a Nobel prize for, which basically says that when 
UV light or high energy light hits certain sub molecules, it causes the flow of electrons on the surface um, because that light has enough energy to push electrons off those molecules and create an electric current. So DHA actually apparently has this capability based on the research out there. And it makes sense then why we would be having the highest concentration in our retina because light, like the process of seeing is literally the process of light hitting molecules that yeah. turn to an electrical signal that our brain flips back upside down, integrates together, and then stimulates certain areas in the brain, creating an image that we feel. So that, that's a that's a perfect segue to, to, to take it back to to pit, take it back to the the glasses, to take it back to uh, light entering the eye, uh, and and how important it uh, it is for us to manage our um, our light consumption and oh yeah so you know uh, you've given us some tools for that that people can follow spring water you know yep. um, sunlight sunrise um, you know seafood but but also you have these dope blue blocking glasses that are from and i mean i just i just ordered a pair you probably didn't even know this but i ordered a pair like a week ago sweet because uh, we're pretty backed up but they'll get to you soon (laughs) that's what they said i think it was a meal or something was like hey uh yeah thank you for ordering uh we're backed up uh sorry to say and i was like well hey while i'm waiting can i'll just i'll just get matt on the podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, thanks man but uh you know we that is something that we can also control that doesn't have to do with stopping eating cupcakes right yeah so great i'm glad you bring it up because that that's actually where where i was headed anyway um so we'll skip two key steps but it's not important because people are going to need to get the book to get by the book yeah but um basically the the step uh at this moment step five so we went through one and two and five is watch the sunset or at least try your best to be outdoors as the light is declining. So you get that, not just that turn on in the morning, but your brain goes, okay, it's time to get the melatonin secreting because it's created and powered during the day in the sun, but we want to be able to secrete it late in the evening. And that stimulus begins with that declining light and then darkness that follows. So you want to watch the sunset uh, as much as, or as close as possible. I mean, it's easy here because like I'm sitting at a friend's place in Cardiff, California, the Pacific Ocean is you know, 200 yards that way. So I can like watch it set on the ocean. It's amazing. But, um, even if you can't, you try your best, like we mentioned with the sunrise, but just being outside, if you can, when it's setting, it's, it's more important to get it at, to actually see the sun as it's rising. And then it is for setting, but both are good. If you can do the set, it's, it's also good, but not as important. So focus on sunrise. Just real quick, real quick, explain, explain why, explain why, explain why. Yeah. So because when you, Let's let me uh, let's let me think about this. Actually, I'm glad you asked. So when we wake up and we see the sun and it hits our eyes, it turns on all of these biological processes, and that's pretty much the key thing that you want. And so it stimulates all of our hormone creation and so on. So watching it set, yeah, watching it set, I really shouldn't say it's not as important because it's it's pretty important too. But it's just that. The benefits of getting, especially in the modern world today, where most most of us are just not getting enough sun, if you had to pick one of the two, yeah. you want that morning stimulus that we're missing, getting up earlier. Because also, when you get the sunrise in the morning, you're going to be naturally, you start with an alarm if you have to, like 10, 15 minutes before it rises so you can get in the right spot, or even 20 minutes before it rises if you need to. 
um, or even 30 if you have to. But ideally, you want to get to a point where you're waking up just before sunrise naturally. That's where we're supposed to be. But so, yeah, by getting the sunrise, you're going to wake up a little earlier. And the effect is going to be as the evening comes on, people are going to be just naturally more tired. They should be because one, they woke up a little earlier. Two, they got all the signals to start producing melatonin and all these other hormones. Yeah. So then night comes and you've got the best thing. So yeah, I would say that I would say just from my experience of doing it also, the effect of getting the rise is more like if I miss the sunrise, I'm just not the same. But if I miss the sunset, I'm still usually outdoors anyway as it's happening. So it's pretty good. It makes sense. It makes sense because you have more ability to use that for the day during the work and sleep is important. But if you had to, if you had to pick one, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, and also there's like the ancient practice of sun gazing that I like to mention, like some communities uh, that I, you know, like Dr. Cruz's community, for example, uh, people there, um, or just various people doing this stuff, they'll like be out at the sunrise but I found just actually looking directly at it for that first 10, 15 minutes when there's no UV, so you can look directly at it. It's just like a strong light. Um, it has lots of benefits, and you could read in like people could just look up sun gazing and see like all the ancient Egyptian, yeah, Eastern where you're ben- where you're kind of like you're up, you're on your knees, but you're seated back on your heels, and your toes are in the sand, and your palms are up, and you're like doing pranayama. Yeah, yeah. That's- that's the most advanced form. Yeah, let's say I was just kind of even saying if you just – I mean it's better like standing or doing a special form like a pose of some sort. But even just standing and looking right into it, I would consider that sun gazing. But yes, what you're talking about is is really where you're going to get the maximum benefit by being fully grounded on the earth, getting the benefits. So people look into that so you can see this isn't bullshit. And the cool thing is like I try to do it every day, sunrise and sunset because yeah. – just I get that I get like a total of an hour almost of sun gazing directly in the sun, um, so that's fantastic and it's like a meditation in a way. It's just time sure to zone in and just chill. Well, we we man, I, I'll tell you, like we, I mean, the name of the company is Raw, <laughs> not R A W, but R A. Yeah, in, right? I appreciate you picked up on that. <laughs> and, and so, like you know, part of me, part of me wanted to get into. Uh, you know, esoteric uh, teaching and why we say amen at grace is because we're praying okay. to this, you know, because we're praying to amen. Uh, and uh, my my in laws didn't appreciate that when I told them that, uh, that absolutely not, absolutely not. <laughs> the amen was a pagan uh, nod to the sun god. It um, is, wait, yeah, 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 that's so funny. It is a nod to the sun god. Yeah, and I, someone told me that, someone I spoke with told me that, um, that he thinks that's like a, a trick and that we're giving our power away to a false god. I do not know where that one's coming from, but yeah, that's some yeah, it's just like so many different theories out there, but right. Uh, anyhow, well, we could have we could we could have gone we could have gone real deep into um the fact that each of the glasses uh have a name um that's hey, associated dude, You're like the first person who has ever picked up on that and like Seriously? Like first person who mentioned that, dude. Really? Yeah, I'm serious. Nobody else brings that up. Never. You're the first guy who ever mentioned me a whole year and like and two months later that I named all the glasses after the gods. Amun, like, Osiris, Hathor, Abastet. I mean like Ta and then there's Thutmos, which is the god or not a god, but the king that conquered the, the biggest expanse of Egypt. Yep. Um, but yeah, man, thank you for noticing. Yeah, so, let me know let me know when you drop the Thoth glasses and uh and dude, uh, I need your naming advice. Actually, though, our new line that we're going to be releasing starting in um, January, it's not, yeah, it's just new, some new frame styles we're going to be releasing starting in uh, around the beginning of January. 
Um, they're going to, I'm actually naming them after uh, quantum biology researchers. So it'll be pretty interesting. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah. Cause I needed to change it up, but that'll be the, the cool thing is that every time someone reads about one of our styles, they'll actually be getting a little lesson about, uh, what's, what's good. Um, anyhow though. So continuing with step five of watch the sunset, the key thing about blue blockers is that you can actually slap them on and it almost stimulates an artificial sunset. Not the same as watching the colors, the blue level decrease. Because for those who don't know, um, the reason the sun's color changes and the reason why the sky is blue is because when the sun, I learned this recently, so I'm stoked about the fact that I can finally explain it. But basically, because I, again, like it, some people say the sky is blue because the ocean's reflection, which isn't true. Um, it's, it's because when the sun's light, which is white, full spectrum, bright, bright white, comes through the air. Um, blue light frequencies have a higher, uh, they're higher uh, uh, frequency, I should say, uh, or yeah, and a shorter wavelength. So they're scattered more by oxygen molecules. And the best analogy I've thought of is if you imagine a pack of wolves running through a forest, if they're running slowly, they can probably like weave around the trees without being scattered much. But if the wolves are moving very quickly, they might kind of bounce into the trees. Uh -huh. Essentially what happens with the, the faster light molecule or the not the faster, but the higher energy light molecules, they hit the trees, aka the oxygen molecules, and they're scattered. So when the light actually hits your eye of the sun in the middle of the day, it's more yellow because when you take out the blue from white, it appears more yellow, which is the interesting thing that when you have one of our new uh, day blue blocking lenses, when you take out the blue, you see a m more yellow, as you can see right there, right. under the lens versus not under the lens. So it's actually very similar to the blue blocking glasses, but the reason why the sun gets more and more orange as it sets is because it has to pass through more atmosphere, so more of the blue is scattered out. <laughs> as it goes into night, the lens gets, the, the color gets more and more orange, which is why our day lenses fit more like the sun, and then the night lenses fit more like a sunset because the only light that's remaining at sunset is the red and the orange and the yellow, more or less, which is the only light that these lenses let pass through. It's pretty fascinating. So by wearing blue blocking glasses, this is the best podcast I've ever done. I, it must be, I swear. It's really on fire today. But um, So basically, you're, you're basically stimulating constant sunset, like the end of sunset, with all the lights you're exposed to, or like that all the light was just the equivalent of fire. Now, the problem is these don't cover your skin, so you want to like maybe wear a hat, um, wear like long sleeves and uh, pants at night, because our skin now, it was shown in 2017 that our skin actually has the same receptor, melanopsin, as our eye that makes blue light an issue, because it's what senses whether it's night or day. So it's actually best if we can cover our eyes and skin like with a sweatshirt and stuff. So like I'm like all beachy right now with like, you know, shorts and all this stuff. But at night, I like throw on a, a long sleeve shirt or a sweatshirt, and I usually I won't wear pants because it's too hot. I it would probably be ben maybe be beneficial if I did, but um, anyhow, yeah, the blue blockers are amazing. Um, like, just for people who wonder why would I buy raw optics versus the cheap ones on Amazon, those are actually really effective too. Uh, the only issue is that they are very ugly. So the reason I made these like out of necessity when I was trying to start a business was the fact that I was going to high school parties and I looked fucking like a weirdo wearing some ugly like safety goggles, but I wasn't not going to wear them because like that's what I was doing and it was working. So 
just for one night. Like it just wasn't worth it to have a shitty night of sleep compared to what I was now experiencing. If you haven't experienced good sleep yet, poof, you're missing out. But the the thing is, I started making them into attractive frames with the right technology. Um, and then there's other companies out there that do the same thing. Don't get Swannies because they don't block enough blue and they don't block it all into the green range. There's two companies in Australia that do approximately the same thing. Uh, there was one other American company doing the night glasses called Carbon Shade, but they went out of business. I'm not sure why. I guess it was too much to handle. It's not an easy business to be in, but I'm doing fine. But um, but anyhow, uh, yeah. So then if you could go to the, if you're in the U.S., go to the guy. You could go to the guys in Australia, but I think our frame styles are preferable. Um, I yeah, that's pretty much I it. I agree. Our, in the U.S., quality checked. And I, uh, I mean. So- I- I've, I've done, I mean, I think I've owned, uh, six different pair of blue blocking glasses, like the original blue blockers, blue blockers sunglasses. So Nick's those sunglasses, but yeah. yeah, right. So I, I, uh, I think I went through a couple of pair of those and then, uh, I bought a pair of Swannies and then we did a promotional blue blocking glasses, um, as a giveaway net through natural stacks a little while ago and the, fr- and the like flat out, you know, like I, I, your frames are cooler than everybody else's. Thank you. And Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And the fact that you can get two different types that you can, cause I made a distinction, allow me to explain this. You tell me if I got this right, but yeah. um, if you're, you can wear these during the day, but only if you're inside, like underneath lights and looking at screens and then for the nighttime is the uh is the is the darker tinted ones that are more orange more red and you can wear those at night because again it mimics um it mimics the nighttime and the so the nocturnal red is for is for nighttime yeah and then the daytime yellow and the difference is um 550 nanometers with the nocturnal red versus 450 nanometers yeah uh, with the with the daytime yellow they're, exactly. and, they're, and they're killer frames, and they're named after friggin' Egyptian gods. Come on, man, they're Thanks, dope. Man. Appreciate it. So you know uh, what we'll do is we'll get like a. I mean, I don't know if you guys do this, but we can is get like a discount code for you yeah. guys for your audience, and you could put put that in the show notes. Maybe it's natural stacks or whatever you guys would normally Let, use. Let's let's call it OPP. OBB. OPP, Optimal Performance Podcast. OPP. Okay, yeah. So then, all right, guys, OPP, we can make that happen. And then you'll get, if you're a listener, you'll get 10% off. Um, and maybe the show, they'll receive a cut to help support the show if they're into that. Sweet. Um, that's typically what we do. But that way you're supporting everyone involved. But most importantly, you're supporting yourself. There so you go. it's pretty cool. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we have some cool stuff coming in the new year as well. But the thing is, like I tell people, um, don't wait. I wouldn't wait at least because you're worth it. And if you don't think you're worth it, it's okay, but your family and your kids are worth it. So, uh, yeah, that's well just, said. You no, know. well said. Uh-huh. Well, I, I like to ask. Uh, it's I, I have to find a more streamlined way to present this. Um, it's basically a, I'm going to ask you to finish this sentence um, oh. based on because we we went wide, we went deep and wide in this in the in today's yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was that was really cool. Um, so. If you would, to kind of close out the show, if you could repeat, uh, or if you could finish this sentence, everyone should know that. Everyone should know that. Oof. Um, 
Can I take like uh, 30 seconds? Absolutely. Sweet. I'll edit this out anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I actually don't even think I, – I don't <laughs> like editing. I think people should hear this little, oh, I'll edit this out, blah, blah, because like it's more real. Um, but – oh, wait, no, because you're going to actually do the re- recording. But still, it's funny. If I was listening to a podcast and this yeah. part was still there, I'd be like, damn, this, well, this guy's funny. Now it's being left. Now it's left in. So exactly. Sweet. Uh, I appreciate that because it's more real. But but basically everyone should know that I don't like the word should, to be honest. That's the first thing I think about. Um, I don't like the word should. And I think no one should do anything. Now, if you change the sentence and you said everyone would benefit from knowing that the sun is actually good for you and the idea that it causes cancer is bullshit. That would be a good sentence. So I would cut the should, nix the should, and then say everyone would benefit from knowing that. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that's the revolution we're going to usher in. <laughs> so I love it. Man, Matt, thank you so much for spending, oh, spending your afternoon. It's uh, it's been a real pleasure, and I think that uh, we'd love I'd love to have you come back on because there are still there's still like twelve questions that I wasn't able to ask. Oh, but yeah. I'll yeah. let you go. You were you you went you went for it, and you've not only given us a lot of ideas for things that we can that we can control for, that things that we can do in our everyday life, but you've also um, you've also added tons of insight into kind of how our bodies work and. Uh, a lot of information that's not common knowledge. And that is what this podcast is all about. It's about um, um, performance and and opening up our minds and our hearts to learn new things. And uh, you've killed it today. And I really appreciate yeah, you being pretty simple. On, on the we, podcast. We breathe oxygen from the air. We eat hydrogen from, from plants. We make the water and have energy as a result uh, that's released. And then we take sunlight into that water and further charge up the water to carry out all kinds of processes. And it's super dope. And then we feel amazing and we live well. And it's just so cool when you're in the sun, life is so beautiful. When you're not, life is really dark, literally. So (laughs) um, I I look forward to coming to Seattle and hanging out sometime. And it would be sweet to do a giveaway. I would totally do a raw optics giveaway uh, for uh, you guys. So if you want to do that, we can definitely get some glasses uh, pulled out and shipped to you pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so. absolutely. Well, well, after I after we turn this off, we'll get that we'll get those details sorted out because I know I know people are going to be excited about it. Done deal, dude. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, uh, thank you so much, Matt. No, stoked. Take it easy. See you next time.